Chapter Eight of Sir Titus Salt, Baronet, His Life and Its Lessons. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. Sir Titus Salt, Baronet, His Life and Its Lessons by Robert Balgony. Chapter Eight. The fame that a man wins himself is best, that he may call his own. Honors put on him make him no more a man than his clothes do, which are so soon ta'en off. Middleton To hide true worth from public view is burying diamonds in the mine. All is not gold that shines, tis true, but all that is gold ought to shine. S. Bishop. In the month of November, 1848, Mr. Salt was elected mayor, he being the second Burgess of Bradford called to fill that office. In proposing his name to the council, Mr. Alderman Forbes said, You are all gentlemen, familiar with Mr. Salt's character and position. The founder of his own fortune, he has raised himself to an eminence in the manufacturing interests of this town, surpassed by none. And he now finds himself, as a reward for his industry, intelligence, and energy, at the head of a vast establishment, and affording employment to some thousands of workpeople. As we all know, Mr. Salt was the means of introducing a most important branch of trade into this town, I mean the alpaca trade, and thus rescuing that trade from comparative obscurity bringing to bear upon it his capital and skill he not only realized great advantage for himself but produced new fabrics in the manufactures of this district thus developing a branch of business most important and beneficial to the working population i believe gentlemen the same sagacity practical good sense cool judgment and vigorous energy which have hitherto distinguished mr salt will be brought to bear upon the public business of this borough. You need not be told of his princely benefactions to our various local charities, nor of that magnificent generosity which is always open to the appeal of distress, and the claims of public institutions having for their object the improvement of our population. With a warm heart, sound head, a knowledge of our local interests conferred by long experience, and a disposition manifested on every occasion to do all that lies in his power to promote the prosperity of the borough, I do not think we could select a gentleman better qualified to succeed our late worthy mayor, Robert Milligan, Esquire. We have given the above speech in full for the twofold reason that it presents a miniature portrait of Mr. Salt sketched by an intimate friend and shews the high position he had obtained in the eyes of his fellow townsmen, who, on this occasion, unanimously elected him their chief magistrate. As an evidence of the attachment of Mr. Forbes to Mr. Salt, the former had the above speech engraved on a massive silver pedestal surmounted by a figure of justice holding the scales. This he presented to the newly elected mayor as a memorial of their long friendship. One of Mr. Salt's duties, soon after his election, was to acknowledge the toast of the corporation, 
at a banquet held to celebrate the abolition of the corn laws in no part of the west riding of yorkshire were the friends of free trade more energetic than at bradford and none more so there than mr salt it was likely that an enterprising community like this and a bold innovator on traditional methods of manufacture like himself would be foremost in favor of free trade all over the world mr salt was a liberal subscriber to the corn law league and an ardent admirer of cobden bright and general thompson the latter gentleman had by the publication of his corn law catechism and other great services rendered to the free trade cause gained a title to public gratitude that title the bradford electors promptly endorsed at the election of eighteen forty eight when they returned him to parliament the nomination on this occasion was moved and seconded by mr r milligan and mr w e forster who afterwards became the representatives of the borough it was therefore a happy circumstance that at the great banquet referred to the chief magistrate should have been in hearty sympathy with that movement the consummation of which was now being celebrated in the town well might bradford keep high festival now for it owed much of its subsequent prosperity to the mighty impulse which the inauguration of free trade gave as an evidence of this when the exchange buildings were erected a number of carved figures were inserted around the outside among which are to be recognized cobden salt gladstone and palmerston in the principal hall of the exchange a beautiful statue of cobden in white marble has been recently unveiled by the right honourable john bright and yet the year eighteen forty eight was in a sense a disastrous one for bradford and the immediate neighbourhood the chartist agitation in the spring of that year had occasioned great excitement and consternation the six points of the charter or nothing was the motto which the chartists inscribed on their banner and in support of which they were ready to employ physical force what with their riotous assemblages drilling by moonlight and manufacture of pikes and long processions through the town the aspect of matters at this time was most threatening nor was this the only cause of alarm to the community the number of unemployed operatives principally woolcombers was very large it was not that trade at this period was really bad but the introduction of wool-combing machinery had rendered manual labor almost obsolete. Fortunately, in Mr. Salt, a gentleman was found equal to the crisis, as far as human aid could meet it. It was not the first time it had fallen on his lot to deal with masses of men inflamed by passion, but here was hunger added to political discontent and idleness. What was to be done? immediate relief was given by opening soup kitchens in various parts of the town in one week seventeen thousand six hundred eighty pounds of bread and two thousand nine hundred fifty four quarts of soup were distributed twelve hundred families large and small participated in this especial form of bounty so numerous were the applications for relief at the board of guardians that steps were taken to transfer to their own parishes all families who had not a legal settlement in the town. Hundreds of men were employed in test labor. A scheme for promoting emigration was devised, and at the meeting held in furtherance of it, Mr. Salt expressed his deep sorrow in witnessing so much distress. 
Previous to the French Revolution in January, he said, he had been able to keep the greater number of his hands in full work. But since that event, his sales of goods to merchants had fallen off ten thousand pounds a month. Nevertheless, he was willing to engage one hundred of the unemployed woolcombers and lay their produce by. At this dark time in the history of Bradford, Mr. Salt was the leader in all these schemes of practical benevolence and the foremost subscriber to their funds. Amongst many general movements in which Mr. Salt took part at this period was one for establishing the Saturday half-holiday. It was first commenced by the stuff warehousemen of the town and afterwards taken up by the employees in shops. At his insistence, an influential meeting was held in the exchange rooms to devise means for the repression of profligacy and promotion of morality. At that meeting, Mr. Salt said, he had become acquainted with scenes of wickedness in the town, of which he could not possibly have conceived. And, acting with a few friends, he had called them together in the hopes that some means might be adopted to improve the religious and moral condition of the borough. In his opinion, there was a want of adequate religious instruction, and also of means of innocent recreation for the working classes, and he should be glad to see the idea of Alderman Samuel Smith carried out, and a public music-hall established. He firmly believed that by some such means beer-shops and similar places would be far less patronized than they were. No one can read these statements without discerning beneath them the noble spirit of benevolence that animated the speaker. The same wholeheartedness he had put into schemes for his own aggrandizement was also displayed for the benefit of his fellow-men. It is this characteristic that makes him so worthy an example for young men to follow. There are men living now whose only ambition has been to acquire wealth, which they have either hoarded or expended on their own personal gratification. What are the appeals of benevolence or philanthropy to them but mere sentimental whining? Pity them. They live to themselves. They die unregretted. They have no mourners to follow them to the grave except such as duty compels. True, they are decently put away into darkness, but while the memory of the just is blessed, the name of the wicked shall rot. It was not so with Mr. Salt. Abundant evidence was afforded during this year of his mayorality that the moral and religious condition of the town made a deep impression on his heart. At the meeting referred to, many of the views expressed and the measures suggested were but the sowing of seed that was to yield a harvest afterwards, not only in the town where he dwelt, but in the new town of Saltaire, which he founded. As we shall see, when that part of his life comes before us, he made ample provision for the wants of his workpeople in the direction indicated at the aforesaid meeting. But what was the present result locally? It is not improbable that his hearty commendation of Alderman Smith's suggestion gave birth to the movement which led to the erection of St. George's Hall as a place suitable for concerts and other public entertainment. The exchange buildings and the Mechanics Institute had become totally insufficient to accommodate the increasing population, but in the erection of this new hall provision was made for 3,328 persons. It was built at a large cost, 
by a company of shareholders of which mr salt was one and though the dividends arising therefrom have often been small yet the moral benefit to the community has been inestimable within its walls religion science politics philanthropy and music have garnered crowds of eager listeners and thus it has become the centre of moral influence for elevating the minds of the whole community to the existence of this beautiful and most commodious building the well-known musical taste of the inhabitants is largely due its festivals have frequently brought together the highest talent of the country and the bradford choral society which was formed soon after st george's hall was opened has become justly famous for the general musical proficiency of its performing members and as an evidence of this it may be here mentioned that in eighteen fifty eight this society under the able leadership of mr william jackson sang at the crystal palace when such was the enthusiasm with which they were received on that occasion that they were immediately summoned by the queen to sing at buckingham palace alderman smith had the honor to accompany them and to him her majesty personally expressed her high appreciation of the yorkshire vocalists we record at length these incidents as supplying proof that mr salt's words at the meeting referred to were not lost but that they brought forth fruit not many days after in the latter part of mr salt's morality the cholera which had for months ravaged the island committed fearful havoc amongst the poor districts of the town between the months of june and october above four hundred deaths occurred many families were thereby plunged into mourning and their sad lot evoked the deep sympathy of the wealthier classes mr salt not only liberally contributed money but he personally visited the scenes of distress speaking words of hope to the smitten of comfort to the bereaved of practical advice to the yet unscathed how they might personally avert the impending calamity happily the malady abated and finally disappeared when thanksgiving services to almighty god were recommended by the mayor and simultaneously held throughout the whole community it will thus be seen that the official post mr salt filled during these twelve months was not a sinecure seldom during a similar period have so many events occurred to tax the energy of the chief magistrate what with the enforced idleness of many operatives the want of bread the danger of civil rebellion and the visitation of cholera there were anxieties enough to overwhelm him and all this public work had to be done while his own immense private business required his personal superintendence it was certainly a school where his knowledge of human nature was increased where he obtained an insight into the social condition of the people such as he did not before possess where the moral sympathies of his nature were moved to their depths and the channels of his practical benevolence were widened and deepened but let us turn the picture for although the merity of mr salt was rendered remarkable by these depressing events there were others of a brighter kind to relieve the gloom before the year closed a vast improvement had taken place in the commercial prospects of the town like the tide which had reached its ebb the flow soon set in bringing prosperity with it 
and refilling with gladness hearts that had been recently filled with gloom. We have seen how, a short time previously, employers were subscribing their money to feed the distressed operatives. Now they were giving large sums to feast them. Mr. Salt was the first to take advantage of the newly acquired railway facilities to give two thousand of his hands an excursion to the country. Having taken up his own summer residence in Malham, amid the glorious scenery of Craven, he wished that those toilers who had so few opportunities of healthy enjoyment should breathe for a day the mountain air and ramble in the woods and fields to their heart's content. It is said that Sir Francis Crosley's resolution to present a park to the people of Halifax was made in America when reveling amid the grand scenery of the White Mountains. Why, thought he, should I not help to give healthy outdoor recreation to those who are unable to obtain it? Perhaps such a thought may have passed through the mind of Mr. Salt on that day when he saw his two thousand workpeople enjoying themselves in Craven. But many excursions of a similar kind, and the People's Park, which he afterwards gave to Salt Air, afforded ample proof that he was heartily and emphatically the friend of the people. At the close of this eventful year, the Bradford Observer wrote, Our worthy mayor, Titus Salt Esquire, has long enjoyed widespread and well-merited popularity throughout this district. His kindness and consideration as an extensive employer, and his munificence and public spirit as an influential citizen, had long ago won for him golden opinions from all sorts of men. He has lost none of his fame by the manner in which he has discharged the onerous duties of First Magistrate of this borough, but has rather gained additional luster to a good name. The above testimony may be regarded as that of the community, and appearing as it did in a journal so competent to judge of true merit, so fearless to censure, and generous praise when deserved, it was one highly gratifying to him concerning whom it was written. End of chapter 8